0: Hello, free thinkers, I'm Mickey Z and I welcome you to Post-Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. In 1853, several pairs of the previously unknown European house sparrow were set free inside of Brooklyn's Greenwood Cemetery. By picking the hayseeds out of horse droppings from the carts used for funerals, these tiny birds flourished and are today one of the continent's most ubiquitous creatures. Moral of this story, when all they feed you is horse shit, it's up to you to pick out the hayseeds that enable you to not only survive, but to thrive. And it's not always easy to identify the horse shit and it's not so simple to differentiate it from the hayseeds. And that's where my guest comes into play. Kevin Kervick is a licensed marriage and family therapist with a very unique approach. Allow me to share a little from his website. Kevin says, because of the growing need for services, I am currently focusing my practice on people who are seeking treatment for anxiety, depression, despair, or disillusionment as they wrestle with or resist establishment groupthink and edict during these difficult times. I want to help people with unpopular opinions. I also help the growing number of otherwise well-functioning people who are recovering from COVID phenomenon mass formation. This treatment is also effective for people who were caught up in any destructive social group pressure or groupthink. My method provides containment and safety, exposure to alternatives, and help recognizing hypnotic messaging and propaganda from the legacy media. It also helps people mourn losses, make new connections, and manage existential despair. And I will be right back with Kevin Kervick. So I'm back with Kevin Kervick. Kevin, welcome to PostWoke. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I really appreciate it. And I know that you're on the road
1: right now, right? I am. I'm in Washington, D.C. I'm, I'm going down here to, to see if I can try to support some truckers if they get into the city or I'll at least maybe get out and watch where they're coming in. I just wanted to be involved I think this is a really world-changing event, potentially. So
0: here I am in the nation's capital. Fantastic. So there's nothing major yet to report on what's going on with the truckers there? Various
1: small protests not related to the truckers. Um, But the truckers, the main convoy is still out in Indiana as we speak. And there were some that were going to come in today, but I think they got kind of scared off a little bit and they've decided it's better to just sort of stay outside the city limits. So that's where things seem seem to be as it stands.
0: Okay, all right, I'll be looking forward to updates on that. So now um, I gave the listeners a little bit of a, a preview of what you do, what you've been doing and how your focus has shifted over the last two years in particular. Um, for example, you say on your site in a social media driven information age that simultaneously avoids important ideas and saturates us with false information, I try to be both a spreader and a sifter. Could you elaborate on that? Yeah,
1: I think people are really struggling trying to figure out what's true. And I think because we're a you know kind of a multicultural society, but there there really isn't a shared culture anymore. So I think that's that's difficult on people. I think people are just really struggling to decide what to believe, whom to believe, and they're getting caught up into various narratives. Of course, I'm a kind of a dissident, so I, you know, I embrace <laughs> dissident narratives more quickly than some people might, and um, you know, the dissident narrative is sort of the normal narrative for me. So I live in that world, uh, but I realize most people don't, um, and so I'm trying to help them make sense of it. Um, you know, I think in the last couple of years, I've just decided to limit my pool of clients to people that think probably a little bit more like me. So the gap between them and me is less um, because I was beginning to struggle, feeling like I was just sitting there opaquely, kind of listening to people that frankly I felt were in some other, you know, on some other planet um, in terms of the things they were saying and believing. You know, and as a therapist, you have to go where the client is. So I would sort of sit there and I would nod and I would, okay, how interesting. And, you know, tell me more about that, but feeling, oh my God, this person is, has no idea what's happening in the world and just wanting, you know, part of me wanting to kind of scream out (laughs) and say, do you have any idea what you're missing? You know, and of course you can't do that, but I, I was, was wanting to do that. So I, I thought I should narrow my focus a bit, but you know, in general, you know, I just think people are really struggling with depression and anxiety related to too much information uh, that they can absorb and sift. And so people are just overwhelmed, you know, teenagers, especially. Uh, there's been a lot of research about adolescent girls just being completely overwhelmed with information and, you know, a fear of missing out and they're trying to take everything in. And so, they, you know, people are struggling um, you know, in my kind of spiritual focus, I'm you know I'm a strong minimalist. You know, I believe there's truth in the world. I believe there's sin in the world. So you know, I sort of believe it's you know the job of a wise person to help people you know go away from the fluff and the materialism and the junk and the useless garbage and and towards you know true enduring things. So I'm kind of getting at getting at that as well, uh, but you know more from a kind of a secular standpoint in terms of how to. You know, go towards things that are important and away from things that are unimportant. People that do that uh, tend to be happier, tend to have less anxiety. I, I concur. That. Yeah.
0: It sounds yeah. like you, you just used the word secular, and um, it sounds almost in a way that that you're applying secular to your therapy, too, where you're there are therapists, of course, that would be very, very attached to a particular approach, you know, let's say CBT or something like that, while you're, um, it sounds to me like you're taking it more case by case. And I'm curious when, when you, like, I'm just impressed really with the fact that as a therapist, you were recognizing this gulf between yourself and certain clients and recognizing that you might not be in the best position to be talking to them about this because they sounded like they were on coming from a completely different dimension. And what kind? What kind of response are you getting working with patients and clients as you integrate this very specific um, sort of COVID-related social media related related approach more recently?
1: It's, it's been unbelievable. I mean, amazing. It's, it's been really good for me and also challenging because I, I've never had the um, you know the struggle as a therapist before being over identified with my clients. And of course, now I'm feeling a little of that. Like I have to really work harder at that because mm. I'm kind of cheering that, you know, and that's not something you ever want to do as a therapist. You want to be, you know, kind of neutral. You want to be kind of with them. Uh, so it's been unbelievable. I, I would imagine it's sort of like how one feels when they're, uh, you know, like a gay affirmative therapist working with somebody who's for the first time is coming out and saying, you know, Hey, I'm an in-person therapist. Oh, I understand. And, you know, maybe I'm gay too, you know, and oh my God, I'm so glad I found, you know, there's some of that happening for sure. But uh, the patients are really gratified to find somebody that they can speak honestly with, I could and imagine. not be judged. They felt, I have horror stories I can tell you about uh, patients that feel like they went to see somebody who just berated them or, you know, didn't listen to them or couldn't believe where they were coming from or whatever. So it's been been really just incredible to um, hear people's stories and to feel like uh, they're feeling heard and understood for the first time.
0: So you're so you're saying that patients you have now previously went to see a therapist yes. who did not even hear them on their perception. Let's say specifically on the COVID narrative, or or questioning the woke narrative, or um, questioning the concept of getting overwhelmed with information from from uh, platforms like social media, some therapists are just not even respecting that as a valid perspective?
1: Yes. I, I, you know, I've, I've only had a couple of really horror stories where the therapist was really unethical or, you know, did malpractice, but a lot of them are just sort of noncommittal or they don't seem to even uh, understand. They don't have any empathy for the position that my patient might feel they are in. You know, like maybe there's a religious conviction, maybe there's a strong sense of danger with the vaccine or something like that. Hmm. Um, And the therapists don't seem to have any empathy for that at all. And so a client is coming and saying, you know, I'm really scared that my kids are going to get hurt, you know, because I think this thing is dangerous. You know, like the study just came out today. I just read on Alex Bernstein, you know, Alex Berenson's site that the you know the vaccine has negative efficacy for five to twelve year olds. I mean yes. they actually have higher rate of getting the darn thing. So a, a patient will come in and say that to the therapist, you know, what do I do? I'm so scared. And the therapist might say, well, you know, I vaccinated my kid and it really was okay. You know, so they they diminish their pain or their fear. And that's that's not good therapy. You know, no. and it's because the gap is so wide, you know, that they they don't even empathize with people. So people want to, you know, want, they want to experience the therapist empathizes with them.
0: Absolutely. That's you know, very really important. Yeah. I know from, from just reading and research that, that, for example, if someone, you you gave the example of someone's sexual orientation, they'll quite often, if they're going to consider committing to therapy, they will do some hev- heavy research and, and referencing to find someone that can quote unquote, speak their language that can understand right. where they're coming from. Because you mentioned religious background, like there's, Therapists are human beings. If you come out of a religion that, that perceives say homosexuality a certain way, you might not even realize that you're perceiving patients a certain way. So it makes perfect sense that people would seek you out and are people finding you and are, are, is there an awareness that, Hey, this is a thing. There are therapists out there who aren't going to just mock me as a conspiracy theorist, but are going to talk to me about not so much the conspiracies, but things like the anxiety and the depression that grow out of them.
1: Absolutely, and this is the first time this has ever happened. I think in our profession, it's a really monumental shift that's occurring. There's always been, you know, Christian therapists. There's always been, you know, gay affirmative therapists. You know, there's always been kind of a special niche. But people are now looking for like a worldview that maybe you know isn't necessarily a Christian worldview, or isn't even a uh, you know, it's not a specific uh, you know sectarian worldview. But they're, they're they're kind of realizing there's like two worlds. Emerging, (laughs) and they're they're wanting to know is my therapist in this world or the other Hmm. world? Like, people are really. And so, I've made a decision given that I I don't have a lot to lose because I have a great practice, and I've been at this 33 years, and my wife carries the health benefits, you know. So, you know, um, that I'm going to be very transparent. And so, I've really, as you've seen, laid it out in specific detail because I want people to get a feel. I'm doing it for two reasons, to be honest with you. One is I want people to get a feel for who they might work with in, in detail so they can say, oh, I read your site and I really resonated with the things you were saying there. And it, I it's unlike anything else I've seen from most other therapists. So that's the, that's the reaction I'm looking for. Um, but I also know that people like you are going to read it. So it's marketing. So I want people to see it and say, oh, there are therapists in the world who practice like that, but you know, someone works on mass formation you know, where somebody, uh, so that's what I want. I'm wanting people to see that, Uh, you know, I'm outing myself, but I'm doing it because I'm trying to create a new narrative, you know, because I I feel like we're fighting psychological warfare all the time from the other side. And I think people, somebody like me needs to find a way to return fire. So this is, you know, you've picked up on uh, the other, you know, motive I have for doing it this way.
0: Yeah I, like first of all mission accomplished because a friend of mine um came across your Website and immediately sent it to me because oh. she she knew that I would be just curious about it a and possibly would reach out to do some kind of interview. Oh. So the fact that you were so transparent, there were no there was no dog whistling in what you're doing. No, you just I'm lay laying it out, it out there, yeah. and I and that that's so refreshing because there is so much subterfuge normally, Ugh. and and this and as you said, we are engaged in a psychological warfare. Whether mm-hmm. we whether we join whether we're willing participants or not, just by being alive in a corporate society. I mean, I've written, for example, extensively about going all the way back to Edward Bernays, Sigmund Freud's oh, yeah. nephew, who sure. wrote the book Propaganda and became a major, basically invented the public relations industry during World War One, And we're talking, mm. that's a century ago, that we, whether we choose to admit it or not, we are part of this war and what i recommend what i recognize that you're doing is saying hey you're here you're in this let's come up with cope like then go back to therapy speak let's come up with coping mechanisms and ways to deal with the the stressors on your life and one of the most invisible stressors is this this nonstop deluge of corporate propaganda government propaganda and so on that you mention on your website
1: right Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad you're doing the research. I noticed Robert Malone referenced the Mockingbird program this morning on his Substack, and uh, you know that's something that blew my mind three, four, five years ago when I, I learned about that. And I don't think I think people have no idea when they turn on CNN that you know every third person there probably has a wife working at the CIA or something. You know, you're getting that kind of oligarchy, corporate sort of narrative from these people all the time. Yes. And most people have no idea they're getting that. And therapists, I think, historically speaking, have been part of the narrative. I think they've been used by, you know, they're, they're part of the oligarchy. They're part of the narrative that that does, you know, what it does. So I'm, you know, I'm really trying to build a, um, you know, following of other therapists so that are going to be willing uh, to fight back.
0: You just read my mind because I was going to say, have you had pushback or support or a little bit of both from your personal therapist connections and community for this approach? Yes, absolutely. So I've had
1: four licensure complaints in the last two years. Uh, I've beaten three out of four so far, one's still pending, I think I will beat that. Uh, The last one without being too specific about it was just somebody who was in COVID denial, and in the session and abusing, uh, the person was abusing the family with the COVID denial and so i i took a firm stance against that which is a little bit unusual to do um, but i did that to kind of blow up the system and uh, i think it probably had a profound effect this was a year ago and now everything has come out as validated my position you know so i think it was probably a good intervention at the time but uh, i've had four complaints i've had several people call me i've had therapists uh you know challenge me i've had I, i've been you know, kicked off of a lot of social media. Um, but on the positive side, I've had a lot of conservative therapists reach out, and there are networks kind of forming of people that are um, more open to this way of thinking. So, and I think that part is is really growing. So, I made a decision. I guess you know, a couple years ago. You know, I'm I'm 61 years old now, and I've got kids. I've lived a life, and how do I want to spend the rest of my life? And I'm going to just be as authentic and uh, as honest as I can, and and you know i'm going to go down fighting go down swinging you know cuz <laughs> i'm really concerned about our world you know, our world's a mess and i'm real concerned about it and i just never been the kind of person that could could sit around and just say well i got my pension you know and
0: I yeah just, you know, well then you would be I mean, you would be in line with so much of the health slash medical community that is just oh. ready, to, ready to turn oh, a blind so eye to that. anything. Yeah, it's oh. all branches of it. But just for context, I wanted to back up quickly. You said you sure. had four complaints over two years. For people, I, I don't know the answer to this question. So how common are such complaints? Is, how, how does four rank? Is thats is that four more than you would have expected over two years?
1: I never had any in thirty years. Okay, okay. So there we then go. I had four, but I have heard that in certain states complaints are getting much higher um, because we're living in cancel culture now. So people yeah. are—they just go after anybody any way they can these days. But they're—they're they're relatively uncommon. So this is—all four of mine were politically motivated. All four, okay. you know. Okay. Um, but they're relatively uncommon. So yeah, they're hard when you get them because you got you have to defend yourself, and they're scary, and you could lose your license and everything. So. Um, But I was, you know, Robert Malone before Robert Malone was Robert Malone. (laughs) I was Jordan Peterson before Jordan Peterson was Jordan Peterson. Because I've been at this for, you know, five to 10 years, pretty heavy duty, um, you know. But when you put yourself out there, that's what's going to happen.
0: Absolutely. So since you just mentioned you've been at this five to 10 years, what – how did you uh, approach this style of therapy prior to the whole COVID psyop kicking in? Mm. Like, what 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 were the lessons you were sharing? What were the what were the um, the obstacles you were facing before this very, at least to us, very obvious mm. um, narrative came mm. in? Because the rest of it it's been happening all along. It just really kicked into right. high gear about two years ago. What was your what was your um, practice like prior to March 2020?
1: Yeah, great question. So uh,
0: I've you know I've
1: always been a kind of traditionalist, and I've always believed that there were just sort of lies in the world that are just floating around as truth all the time. So I've always been that way. But I've, I essentially have worked with everybody, and I've done my best to be ethical and you know balanced and multi partial, you know, in everything I do. So I, I think I've been pretty successful with that. Um, but I want to see a very influential guy. Back in the the 80s, I think it was, early 90s. Bill Doherty is his name. Uh, He'd be a great guest to have on, by the way. He's out of Minnesota. And um, he wrote a book called Morality and Psychotherapy. And he had indicted therapists for essentially causing the divorce epidemic in the 1970s. Because he he said that we imposed our individualism on the profession, uh, on, on clients in the 70s. And a lot of individually oriented therapists were, you know, had kind of a personal happiness ethic. Uh, so they, we sort of imposed that and then everybody got divorced. Oh, my uh, therapist says, just be happy. You know? So we really screwed up the world in the seventies and Bill was on it and he spoke, stood up at a conference and he said, look at you therapists out there, you know, pointing his finger, you know, your, 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 your job is to help families, you know, and if, and you're telling go, somebody, go find your happiness and they leave their, their wife and three kids, and take off to California. Maybe you didn't do your job. You know, he was really, really angry. So it had really had me thinking. I thought, wow. Sure. First of all, you're not supposed to think those things or say them, or but you know. And how would you pull it off in therapy? So, ever since then, I I kind of um, would call myself a, uh, a more traditional therapist. And if it, if something would come up in therapy, I would say, you know, I just want to let you know. I tend to err on this side of kind of holding people together or helping people. I tend to be practical, you know, I come from a small town. My parents were married a long time. So I would sort of say, you know, I just want to let you know that I, I'm, I'm coming at it from this place, you know, and I would say, I started to make my, my, my marketing a little bit more transparent in that way. Um, so I, I wanted people to know I'm going to err on the
0: other side. I want all to right. come back to, to, um, to an interesting point though. I mean, they were all interesting points, but when you, when you're so transparent and you let clients know, for example, that you're um you're going to lean towards, for example, um people not getting divorced or doing as much productive work as they can to stay together in a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Um it seemed, correct me if I'm wrong, that seems to fly in the in the conventional wisdom of that a therapy session is it's almost like the therapist is sitting there as a blank slate, like I'm really let's say I'm the client, I'm not even supposed to really know what you do, how you right. think you're just, you have this training and you're, you're dissecting what, like I'm telling you, I feel this way, but I don't know why, but you're watching my patterns and saying it could be this, this, and this, but you're saying, this is what, this is how I feel, think, believe, and so on. That kind of flies in the face of, of standard of, of what the conventional wisdom of therapy is. Am I correct there?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think there was some revisionism in our field, maybe in the 80s and 90s, uh, that you know, therapists really can't be value neutral. It's it's kind of BS. You know, our biases come across, you know, our, our culture comes across. And so lots of therapists were just moved towards the, the the direction where is you know you need to be transparent about any bias you might have. You know, is a gay affirmative therapist value neutral? I mean, no, I mean obviously not. You know, so I think that's really where where we've gone, where I've kind of gone and so if I'm going to be treading into an area, like last night I had a client, I'm sort of anti-suburb. I just find the whole thing to be kind of, you know, I think the way expression I used last night, you're, you know, you're comparing the size of your blenders, you know, that, that kind of <laughs> attitude, you know, and I'm anti-suburb. Like I want people to move out and I, I'm a, um, you know, dissident. So I, you know, I, am trying to encourage people to, you know, uh, form parallel societies and get out, you know, get outside of the culture. So but I owned it last night because a couple was kind of wondering about where to move to. And I said, yeah, I just want to, you know, I'm, I'm I'm anti-suburb. So anything that comes out of my mouth is going to have that perspective behind it. You know, so just know, take that with a grain of salt. That's. So I think if you own who you are and you're transparent about it and you're authentic about it, then most people will say, OK, or I'll say something like, Feel free to re- reject everything I'm saying. Of course, this is just Kevin you're speaking, you know, or something like that. So um, I've had pretty good success with that. I think a lot okay. of therapists have moved to that place. You know, we're not the psychoanalytic blank slate anymore.
0: Okay, I, I'm I'm curious about that. Just just FYI, I'm I'm. Talking to you from New York City, born and raised, to live my whole life here. So, um, yeah, I've never been a, a fan of the suburbs, but there's plenty of times where I am really sick of New York City. So it's it's <laughs> I could go in either direction there. So, um, I'm what I'm curious as we as we begin to move towards wrapping up. If someone is listening to this and they are they fall into the category of they. the the fear and the programming just nailed them. And now as the time is passing, they're really starting to wonder Mm. what, what just happened over the past two years. And they, and they're, they're asking themselves, how do I bounce back from this? How do, how do I, what's been imposed upon me? What what would, I know, I know that's a, a big question, but what would be your initial kind of encouraging brief message to someone that's, that's asking, that's, just now asking questions, but is sincerely looking for for real answers and real changes in how it impacts them?
1: Oh, yeah, that's a really great question. First of all, I have great compassion for people in that place. I mean, this is really scary stuff when you're kind of thawing out that way. So, you know, and I, you know, I've lost most of my family members have kind of caught up in this whole thing, you know, so great compassion. I think I'm probably the first therapist that's advertising myself this way to help people, deal with, you know, mass formation, which is really social hypnosis, you know, so um, they could certainly reach out to a therapist to ask about that, if they could could help them with that. But I think the best thing to do would be to immediately find other like minded people who you're going to be able to speak with and feel some community with. uh, So you don't feel so alone in these new thoughts. If you're, you know, petrified or having panic attacks or, you know, in devastating existential despair, or, oh, my God, how could this have happened to me, then really, you probably should seek some professional okay. help, you know, because those are, those are serious things. Or if you're not sleeping, of course, or, you know, that that type of thing, or if you, you know, you left all your friends because they weren't vaxxed, and now you're like, oh, my God, what did I do, or, you know, then you probably should should seek some personal you know, yes. Yeah. And those are therapy. those are not
0: far-fetched examples that no. is, they're sadly more common than we would like them to be. I'm my my bad. to add to what you said, it, when when people have spoken to me, my non-professional um advice is I also say the Absolutely fine like-minded kindred spirits, but to be super careful to not trade one fear matrix for another because because we, you know, as you touch on in your on your on your website introduction, this social media really wants to herd us into hive minds and into groupthink. And even when you find people who agree with you, you have to keep this. Little this at least a fraction of skepticism even with them because I have definitely encountered on social media people who are avidly um, COVID skeptical to Mm. use that term who um, then have turned it into almost like a doom matrix of their own where, sure. where it's it's just almost promoting that and this is what they're going to do next they did this and wait till they do this mm-hmm. and there's yeah. no solutions there's no there's no community there's no there's no sense of agency that we actually can control mm-hmm. where where some of this goes and i i've said to people as simple as it sounds you know this stops when the bulk of us stop complying it sounds simple but they we we have the power to say no even if you've been saying yes all along mm-hmm. um, so how would you respond to that?
1: Yeah, I think you're right on target. I, I think it's kind of, kind of the dry drunk phenomenon in a way too. You know, you're you're sober and now all of a sudden you're going to be a crusader for, uh, you know, teetotaling a, kind of thing, right?
0: That's a great example. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: that's- have seen that with, with some people and I, I think your your advice is really good. It's really good. And what we do in therapy, what I do a lot of is containment, you know, so really you're just putting your arms around people. Okay, slow down. Hold on, you know, slow down. And, you know, that's kind of putting your, your hands on their shoulders. Slow down. Okay. You're okay. That's a big part of what therapy is. So I think that that is probably um, necessary when someone is just seeing the light. But, you know, Nikki, my my, my, my biggest personal concern with all this is that I think we have to be truthful because I think this is a huge crime, right? I really do. Like, this is a massive scandal, a massive crime, and people are being hurt, but I'm also worried that, you know, you, when you put truth out on people that, you know, are, are are in a defensive system that allows them to function, and all of a sudden, they learn this, like, it's really, really scary. I, and uh, I did a video about this, where I talked about that, that's where we might be as a society, like people are going to wake up, and then what are they going to do? Yeah. Like, they're going to either, they're going to be petrified, rageful you know, or they're going to run back to denial because like, what do you do when you learn this stuff? You know, my government is completely corrupt and, you know, they're just selling pharmaceuticals because they, they, they could care less about the citizens. And, you know, this, this vaccine is is more dangerous than I had ever imagined. You know, my kids are, I mean, these things are going to scare people to death, you know, and I I have great compassion for them because, um, but in the same token, the revolutionary part of me says that, you know, uh, truth is necessary to heal you know ultimately and yeah. so we have to get it out but i also i also recognize the enormity of the psychological moment we're in
0: yeah you you're you're straddling a very interesting line there because as a health uh professional you you do that you you are leading with compassion while if you were an anonymous crusader on Twitter, you could right. bleed with fury, almost like, "Come on, right. wake up!" Like you want to scream at someone to wake up, which is something you would right. never do in your office, right. and and it's um om- you i can feel i could feel the the logic behind that but i do believe your approach is is going to be more sustainable as you kind of guide people step by step as their reality collapses because okay. nobody wants to you know like right now for example it's so easy to whip people up to say all right it's time to hate russia yeah. and Oh. I'm not saying I don't that I'm pro Russia. It's just that it just we're, it becomes this binary that America good, Russia bad. And then if America is good, then it doesn't give us faulty vaccines or bad advice during a pandemic, or they don't lie about a pandemic and impose terrible hospital protocols and this black and white it seems to that you're just guiding them step by step into the gray area and then trusting them to go from there because that part is out of all of our control as it should be when someone begins to recognize that the 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 grayness of things then we have you have to get out of the way to some degree and say, "All right, now what? Do you you have this information; it's yours to act upon. Not like, not at, not turning them into another cultic mindset of saying, "All right, now it's time to join my cult." And it's I I I feel you, and that you're really straddling an interesting balance here because you're you're not, you're not only just a health professional but, but you're somebody that's has a lifetime of questioning and dissidence. and you see you might you recognize the propaganda and the tactics much quicker than the average person and it, it you have to scale back and try and meet them where they're at
1: precisely you know and there's a know, readiness for change or stages of changes models out that you've probably come across. And I think that's where we are. You know, there's some people that are just kind of questioning. There's some people that are like, Oh my God, really? And then there's some people that are like, what in the world just happened? Like, yeah. so people are in all those different places. And I think we have to understand where they are and try to support them in that, you know, and I'm not, you know, <laughs> it's not my job to push anybody towards any ultimate direction, you know? Good feel so, also are going to come in and say, you know, I think you're, I think your ideas are wrong. I, I kind of like how you work in many other ways, but I think that you're completely wrong in this and, you know, but I still would like you to help me with my, you know, career choices or whatever. And, okay, cool. We can do that. Yeah. That's
0: <laughs> so. just, that's just, that's just so encouraging to hear that level of, of open-mindedness on both sides. It's it's just yeah. encouraging to hear. So, so um, right now, so just to wrap up here, I live in New York city, as I mentioned. So we, New York state just finally lifted an indoor mask mandate and the school mask mandate for kids. And New York city proper proper is claiming that in six days, uh, we're recording on March 1st on March 7th, that the vaccine mandate, at least for visiting gyms, restaurants, theaters, and so on will be rescinded. I I think they're going to keep it for some workers for a while. When you hear stuff like this, at this point, we're, just about two years in, do you feel a sense of optimism, or and um, is it is it mixed with some wariness? It's like, what are they up to? That they're giving in here, so what are they going to try and take here? Like, what? How do you feel? And what would you say to someone who's trying to decipher this? Sud- what appears to be a sudden scale, like pretty sudden scaling back of what was an emergency just like a month ago? Yeah, I.
1: I'm concerned as a therapist, I have one way of feeling about it, but as a, as a citizen and an activist, I'm concerned that we're going to let them off the hook too quickly. Mm. And I think real social change is going to come, you know, when, you know, like when the Soviet Union fell, people were like, this place is, ridiculous. I didn't, oh my God, I'm, it's over. It was always a lie. Now I realize it and they, it, this, we're never going back to this again, like. I'm afraid that the Fauci's are going to just kind of shovel it along, and the Walenskys, and you know, oh, we're on to the next thing, and then oh, God, we made a mistake there. Well, next time we'll do better. I don't want that to happen. I, I really want accountability because I am really, I really feel like there was nefariousness and some some psychopathy here that needs to be exposed. So, uh, I want accountability. Uh, I want you know, uh, I mean, yet the, the the CDC clearly just omitted information because they knew it wasn't going to support. I mean, that's just criminal, isn't it? I mean, I don't even know what that is, but it seems.
0: So I want accountability for that because I think from accountability will come culture change. I concur. I I couldn't agree more. Like when you mentioned Fauci, he he was really never held accountable for his role in the AIDS crisis. And here we are roughly 40 years later. and, And he's, and he's, only escalated his tactics and his and his income and his power right. and i agree like um I, I i've been getting as many people as possible to read robert f kennedy jr's book on Fauci oh, yeah. it's it's a dense book though people people are, it's pretty daunting I, yeah. I i was joking recently that he should uh kennedy should hire a collection of actors to almost make like to make maybe eight to ten minute videos of each chapter that chapter that people can watch and digest because I loved reading it. It's my kind of book, but I recognize that it's not really um, the popular type of reading and it's very dense, but my goodness, it just reads like an indictment of a man who, to be radically honest, should be rotting in prison. He should be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of these people should be. Kids were hurt, damaged. I mean, just unbelievable. Inexcusable. Yeah.
0: I couldn't agree more. Kevin, I really appreciate your time in this wonderful conversation and most importantly I appreciate you being out there to to, to shift the narrative on your own just to to let people like to be transparent to be bold about where you stand to take chances and whether you know people agree or disagree with you there is an inspiration in encountering someone who is open to new ideas and challenging anything that seems to be like a blanket propaganda. So thank you for all you do. Well,
1: thanks for affirming me because
0: that's my core value. That's how my parents raised me. So it's really affirming to hear you say
1: that. Thank you. very oh, I'm much. I'm sure
0: they're proud of you. Um, and I will, for the listeners, I will include, um, you can, Kevin, you can send me Besides your website, if you have other links, please email them to me. I can include them in the show notes. I've already typed up with the uh, with your website in there. I know that you've been having trouble with YouTube, not surprisingly. Yeah. But but if you have a YouTube link or anything else, Rumble or Twitter or whatever it might be, please send me all the links so I can make it oh, possible great. for um for listeners to to get to know you and learn more about you and and maybe other therapists also to say, hey, I could be doing some of this too. Oh well, thank you very much. I will. Thank you so much, it's been a pleasure. My pleasure. I'll be right back with my story of the week, right after this word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here with a few messages before we get back to the show i'm asking you to become a paid subscriber to post woke to do so it's very simple just go to mickeyz.substack.com the link is in the show notes and there for just five dollars a month less than 17 cents a day you can support what i'm doing and get a steady flow of podcasts articles and other content including perks that are available only two paid subscribers. So I thank you in advance for making that commitment. It really makes a difference. In addition, if you'll scroll scroll through the show notes, you'll see that I have a link in there for the project I do to help homeless women in New York City. Your support is most welcome. There's a link in there for a very cool post-woke podcast t-shirt to let people know what your favorite podcast is. And there's also a link in there for my NFT digital art photography if you're interested in non-fungible tokens as a collectible please click that link check it out and maybe maybe buy yourself a collectible work of art so on that note thank you again and most importantly please consider becoming a subscriber at mickeyz.substack.com and now let's get back to the show way back Before it was common to see women and girls playing basketball, I remember encountering two girls, maybe 13 years old, bouncing a basketball while waiting for a train at Lexington Avenue. They were quite good and were obviously enjoying themselves. But within a few minutes, a cop came along, sauntering in like John Wayne. He demanded that they stop throwing the ball around. Of all the things that people do in the subway, this felt about as minor as it gets. The girls frowned and watched him strut away. However, one of the girls snatched the ball from the other and gave it one more aggressive toss against the wall. The loud bouncing sound echoed across the platform. John Wayne did not turn around or say anything. I felt proud to witness that public act of defiance. And today, I feel proud to witness so many of you keeping your guard up.